Hey, all right, everybody. Hey, that was some great singing this morning, wasn't it? It's okay, I guess, right? <laughs> I'm up here in tears. I'm like being reminded of the gospel in my own life. It's pretty incredible, right? And that's where we're going this morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Jason Lalone, and I serve on the lead pastor team at Park and as pastor here in Rogers Park. And if you have your Bible with you this morning, turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 21 through 26 this morning. If you're using one of the house Bibles you got on the way in, it's going to be on page 548. And as always here at Park Community Church, if you're a guest here with us this morning and you don't own a Bible, make sure to take one home with you as a small gift from us. We are so glad that you are here. As you've come to a gathering where everyone in this room has a past, yet because of the gospel that we believe and we proclaim, your present can be transformed and your future can be assured. And this morning, we are in week nine of a 10-month study unpacking that good news. Yet so far, we've spent a whole lot of time talking about the bad news. From chapter 1, verse 18, up until this point, Paul has profoundly and convincingly argued that all people are deserving of God's wrath and his judgment. No doubt the irreligious all those gangbangers in the city and porn stars and totem pole worshipers. Yet shockingly also the religious. That even a strict adherence to rules and rituals and even an identifying of yourself with the right people cannot rescue you from the situation. Phil touched off the landslide last week in the middle of chapter 3 when he said there is no one righteous, not even one. And do you know what the Greek word is for no one? Maybe you've heard, right? It's no one. <clears throat> From top to bottom, inside and outside, every part of us is ready and willing to do that which is unrighteous. Not only have we severely, naively, and destructively underestimated the depth and power of sin's stranglehold in our lives, but we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we can somehow squirm out of its grasp. Some believing that they could become righteous by obeying the law of God missed its core function, which is to help us understand that we can't. Paul has turned any overly optimistic view of our own ability to be good with God on its head. And at this point, we have been left stripped naked in God's courtroom, fully exposed and condemned and in an awful silence before an all-knowing, righteous, and just God of the universe, we only have one plea. Guilty, Your Honor. Thank you, Paul. It's been so marvelous and wonderful these last six weeks. I can only imagine what's going to happen next as we've still got 13 more chapters in the rest of Romans. Where do we go from here? Is there any hope for lawbreakers and lawmakers? Is there any hope for selfish individualists, arrogant self-justifiers, fearful self-preservers, and thoughtless consumers? There is. We are finally here with a little glimpse at the heartbeat of the letter. It's the blazing center of God's glory. Follow along with me. Romans chapter 3, beginning at verse 21. But now... 
Everyone say it together. But now. Louder. <clears throat> One more time. <clears throat> One of the greatest conjunctions in all of human history. But conjunction, conjunction, what is your function? But now serves to reverse the previous content and has the ability to ignite praise and bring hope to a situation where there seemed to be none. But now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Why? This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Here's where I'm going this morning. The unrighteous. No matter how unrighteous. Can become righteous. The unrighteous. No matter how unrighteous can become righteous. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you so much for now this moment we, we, which we get to come and we get to open up your book which gives us your word. And Father, I ask that you prepare our hearts to receive it. Father, just as the psalmist would say that we would delight in your word as one del desires and delights in great riches. That we would exclaim, oh, how I love your law is my meditation all throughout the day. That Jeremiah in 15, that we would follow after his example for when your words came that we ate them. That they were our joy and our heart's delight because we bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. That we would recognize that we need your word as our sustenance. In Matthew chapter 4, for your word is bread. It's our food. It's our nourishment. Father, would the working of your word do its work by the power of your spirit this morning? Because in Hebrews chapter 4, you declare, and what we know well is that your word is living and it is active. It tells us all what's going on in our heart. It even exposes things that we don't know. But Father, you don't leave us in that state. You come in and you bring healing and restoration with the hope of the gospel and I ask that that's what you would do this morning. Grant faith to believe. Give us eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I confess before we get into here, this passage is really familiar. You know, and after, um, you know, you've heard me, you know, Bible college and seminary and following the Lord for, you know, a long time now. 
it's kind of one of those things where when I'm, when I'm personally, when I'm preparing for a message, I, the temptation for me is to always try to, you know, think of something really slick or some incredible illustration or examples and all of that stuff. And that really happened this week. I was actually stuck. I know this passage, but I was just stuck. I just didn't know where to go. And so this is basically, this is just going to be an unleashing of my time spent with the master. That's what preaching is. It's spending time with the master, looking at that word over and over again, pulling out what it, the truth that it has to say to us, and then sharing what went on in that meeting. And I think that you're going to just, for something that was fresh for me, I just want to give something fresh to you this morning. How is it possible to be delivered from our deadly dilemma? How can the unrighteous become righteous. In verses 21 and 22, the righteousness of God is obtained through faith in Christ, not by works of the law. In other words, you can't earn righteousness. You can't obtain peace with God by trying to keep his rules. Again, we may be able to show that we are righteous at times by obeying God's law, but we cannot obtain righteousness by obeying God's law. Because remember, the law of God is summed up in this. We're just going to go to the basic fundamentals. We're going to just sum it all up. The law of God is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And as I remember Lincoln saying when she was really young, with all your strength. And the second is like, like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The combination of Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19 confirmed by Jesus in Matthew 22. Who has done those perfectly? Oh, you may of course do it a little bit better than your disgustingly deplorable neighbor or your licentious liberal co-worker. But at the end of the day, just as one example, even how you talk about someone else is heart indicative of your love for another. Remember Jesus said out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've been in the Psalms lately. It's usually my discipline every morning. I, I, mean, I read one, two, or three Psalms. And it's very interesting throughout the Psalms that how the psalmist portrays our words that they can be like swords or spears. They put holes in people. They cut people open and they kill people. And I know that there's a million other examples that we can give here, but I don't want to beat us down any more than we already have been in Romans. So I'll just say this. We all miss the mark in many ways. And that's why we need a righteousness that's not our own. Our resume will always fall short. And so we need this morning, we need the righteousness of God. The righteousness revealed which the law and the prophets bear witness to in all of the Old Testament, which is filled with promises, prophecies, and pictures of his future saving work. Always read your Old Testament that way. It's moving forward towards something. Whether it's Genesis 3 when God says that the serpent's head will be crushed. Whether it's Abraham being blessed to be a blessing to the nations. 
the law of God itself exemplifying what it means to be righteous. God using Moses to deliver his people out of slavery in Egypt. The tabernacle and temple as images of God's presence among his people through the mediation of priests and the offering of sacrifices. Jesus with us. Our temple is abiding. Who is the priest? Jesus. Who is the sacrifice once for all? Jesus. The representative warrior David slain Goliath on behalf of his people. And the covenant that his kingship will last forever. Who is that? God sending his people into exile, yet delivering them time and time again. The words of the prophets, it's getting close to Christmas. For to us a child is born. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And Prince of Peace, Emmanuel, our God with us. Jeremiah's prophecy that the hearts of stone will become hearts of flesh. And all the years of longing for someone to finally and fully set us free has arrived in what Galatians 4.4 says is the fullness of time. The time of but now, but begs the question, why so long in coming? Have you ever asked yourself that? Why stretch out the drama of redemption for over, over such a long period of time? Answer? I have no idea. I feel like I'm going back to my systematic theology classes. All my other theology classes. But I think one of the answers is, or one of the best thoughts that I've heard around this is this. That just like many other mysteries in scripture, such as the virgin birth or the problem of evil or the hypostatic union, is that this is what God has decreed. He is God and he has determined some things that we aren't going to fully understand. Now, that's kind of a boring answer. You just aren't going to understand it. There you go. How about that? How about that, Nate? You just aren't going to get it. So just enjoy it and try to figure it out. And this, when you get to the glory, then we'll, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit more because we'll have a, a lot of time together, Nate. But I think a, a better answer is this. And I think it is that. But that he decided that he's going to take his time rather than be brief. That he wanted to leave space for dramatic moments. Ups and downs, twists and turns, heartbreaks and astonishments. In other words, he's determined that salvation is to be a great epic and not a short story. And he's decided that he's going to bring himself glory, not by measuring his kingship in a time span that's appropriate for human kings, but so that he could reveal himself as the king of all ages. And especially this age. As a righteousness has been manifested, as a righteousness has been revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I want to go back to chapter 1 verse 17 because... Paul is using a literary device here called an inclusio. If you remember in Romans chapter 1 verse 17 before we got into all of our dilemma the last six weeks. It said the same thing pretty much as what he said here in verse 20, 21. For in the gospel a righteousness of God has been revealed. 
In the last six weeks, we've talked about how his wrath has been revealed. But now he comes back again. And what he's seeking to do here is bring a whole lot of attention to what's in the middle of those bookends. But to get a hint up front and a hit at the end of how you can be delivered from that wrath. And this is incredible. A righteousness has been revealed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And a righteousness is received by all who believe. And it's offered to us all because it's needed by all. We see that in verse 23, a verse many of us have probably have had memorized for many years. And it's always used in some sort of evangelistic presentation of some sort. It's the truth that levels the playing field in this room and something that we are all really exceptional at. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. What does that mean? We have all exchanged the glory of God for something of lesser value. And to one degree or another have not given him the praise and honor that he's due. Back again to Romans 1. Our sin against others is grievous for sure. Some of us have hurt people very deeply in this room. And it is grievous. Some of us have been hurt by people and we've done the hurting. And it is grievous. But our self-exalting, credit-taking, idol-making, and law-hating posture towards a righteous, holy, and loving God is exceedingly worse. The one who created us and sustains us and has given us everything that is good. Even if you have a competitor who's floating down in the salt water of the Dead Sea in Israel, the lowest point on planet Earth, and you have ascended to the peak of Mount Everest, you still can't touch the stars. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And you have nothing to offer in your defense. But now, and as I turn the page here in a little bit, I'm probably going to get pretty excited. Because I got excited in my office at home. I was doing that thing that I do, which no one else really sees. I was kind of dancing around and jumping around and being reminded once again. But now. As Phil talked about last week, if you caught that, it was so powerful. In the dreadful atmosphere of silent condemnation and punishment, in an unpredictable turn of events, a no-name carpenter's son from a no-name town in a tiny little country overran by a powerful empire lived an inconspicuous life before bursting on the scene at age 30 as an itinerant traveling rabbi. 
And his message was, the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is now here. The king has showed up. And the message is, repent. Turn back to God from all of the heartache and the mess. And believe the good news. What good news was that? Now we're going to get into some defining of terms here. And I don't want to bore you, but I am going to give some definitions because they're important for us to understand. What was that good news? It's the good news of verse 24. That although you have been walloped in the last three chapters by Romans... You can be justified by his grace as a gift. (laughs) What does it mean to be justified? Well, justified is law court language. Namely, it's a legal declaration of a not guilty verdict. It's to be given a new status. For although Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death, God holds out his hands of unearned favor as a gift of grace. And the gift, it's free. It's a free gift. But as so well said, it is not cheap. Because it came through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Now if justification was law court language, what a great word. Redemption is marketplace language. It's the language of liberation. For example, it was the word used for the buying back of a slave from the slave market or the purchasing of the release of a prisoner of war or the canceling of debt through the payment of a price that a person could not pay on their own. Someone other than the enslaved paid their redemption. And it's been pretty clear throughout Romans who the enslaved are. It's us. Enslaved by our ungodly desires, our addictions, our worry, our anxiety, our pride. Prisoners of our own selves with debts of unforgiveness and bitterness and shame piling up on the desk of our lives as we seek to work frantically over time to try to clean up the mess. Yeah, we may experience brief moments of mindless and temporary pleasures. Along the way, but as you know, the buzz eventually wears off and it feels worse at the end than it did in the beginning. Your soul is worn down and worn out. Weak, guilty, and condemned. Have you been there? Are you there now? That's God's judgment. And you can't take out a loan. Your family isn't wealthy enough and you can't offer a bribe to get out of the situation. But now, here in our text, the unrighteous can become unrighteous, and freedom can be had. 
Because in verse 25, a payment has been made through propitiation. Which is a turning aside of God's wrath. All what he's talked about. His wrath has been revealed against us. It's a turning aside of his wrath by the payment of a sacrifice. It's a payment of blood. The spilt blood of Jesus, the eternal son of God who God put forward in a public display to receive our punishment for us on the cross. So we could go free. At the cross is where God's justice is fully satisfied and his forgiveness is freely given. What he does here is he plays by his own rules in that he accepts a perfect sacrifice, a lamb without blemish. Remember the Old Testament sacrificial system? It had to, the animal had to be without defect. It had to be without blemish so that it would be acceptable. But Jesus is the lamb, so we don't have to keep coming back and offering animals year after year after year. But he would once and for all, as Hebrews said, cover the sins of humanity all throughout human history, and that a new status of forgiveness, reconciliation, and restoration would be offered as a gift of grace. And it's simply received by the empty hands of faith. Which means abandoning all that you think that you have to offer to God and you're trusting in Christ, the Lamb of God. To receive a gift this incredible, this precious, of this magnitude, this large, there is nothing in your hand that you can hold to receive this gift. No matter how small what you have holding in your hand. It is so weighty and so massive, you need all of your strength and all of your palms open to receive it. You have nothing to offer to him. You just receive it. It's the way the unrighteous, no matter how unrighteous, can become righteous. Whether it's Rahab the prostitute. The Apostle Paul, the persecutor, or Mary Magdalene, that demon-possessed gal. Matthew, the tax-collecting traitor. Lydia, the rich woman selling purple fabrics of royalty. Erastus, the city director of public works in Rome. Twelve ragtag disciples. You know your Bible. Some of us like to highlight others more than others. But you know your Bible. Charles Colston, the political crook. C.S. Lewis, the skeptic. Kanye West, the rapper. Jason Lalone, the drug-dealing, drugged-out, pleasure-seeking, wasting-his-life fool. Let's get you in there. Does anybody in here got a story? Let's get you in there. Does any, would anyone stand and say what you've been delivered from? I'm serious. We're, I'm, I'm, going, I'm all going off script here. Does anybody here got a story what you've been delivered from? Why are you, don't do you be scared? Do you got a story? You can just sit in that right now because you know that you do. Some of y'all are scared. If we're in Christ, 
We all got a story, and it's his story. Redeemed and brought into the family of sons and daughters by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. As there is no other gospel message that's true that does not have God as the author, the initiator, the perfecter, and finisher of our faith. And if you still don't know, we recorded our son Dylan earlier this week, and he said, you better ask somebody. I remember. I remember. I know some of us have stories where we may not remember the kind of the day or the hour. Um, but I remember. And I think that's why I was in tears again this morning, singing of the freedom of the gospel. Because I was reminded again of his story in my life. Drug dealing, drugged out, pleasure seeking, wasting his life fool. Drug dealers and drug users. At this time I was ended up in, it was in a, a trailer park outside of Lansing, Michigan. Guns in the house, drugs in the house, there's girls in the house, all sorts of stuff in the house. Porn in the house, all sorts of stuff in the house. Six o'clock in the morning, staring at the mirror again and talking to myself, you are a loser. You have wasted it. What are you doing with your life? And I don't know what happened that morning, but something happened that morning where something caused me to reach out to my Uncle Raj at 6 o'clock in the morning. I ended up out on the front lawn throwing up. I was all over the place, laying down in the yard at 6 o'clock in the morning in this trailer park. Just was vomit right next to me. My Uncle Raj, the gift of grace showed up in my Uncle Raj. He's been praying for me for a long time. As my Uncle Raj would do, he showed up in his Cadillac. <laughs> Gets me, puts me in the front seat. I won't go back to his house. I said, Uncle Raj, you don't want to know the stuff that I've been doing. I am ashamed. And I have no idea what to do. And he says, you need to just call off to God. You know, I knew John 3.16. We're going to get to that in a bit. I knew that because I had a sixth grade teacher who was awesome. And she would tell me about the love of Jesus. She spent time with me and I'd shoot baskets and she'd come pick me up and she'd rebound for me. He had a relationship. He'd take me around her family and I was like, wow, that's an awesome family. That's something I don't have. I, there's something different about her. And all that was beginning to come together now. And my Uncle Rod says, you need to call out to God. And so that morning I said, God, I don't know what to say, but I know that I'm a sinner. Will you save me? Boom! I don't know what happened that morning, but my Uncle Roger still tell you to this day, something happened that morning. The Apostle Paul type experience, but all I knew is the heart of stone in my heart became a heart of flesh. And all of a sudden, I wanted to tell everybody about Jesus. Took a nap because I was exhausted from the night of being all drugged out. I was doing lines, tripping on acid, smoking and I was drinking all at the same time. That was the old me. 
had my pager, you know. Because back then it was the pager. I had a knot in my pocket, always that thick. You guys know, you had no idea what I'm talking about. I can go back there. Took a nap, went back home to that trailer. I started confessing all my sins. And all the people on that trailer are looking at me like, what just happened to you? You got a story. Can I get a witness? It doesn't got to be that story. We all got a story and it's all the same. It's different, right? But we all got a story because we were all in the same place. We were dead in our sin. No matter how good it looked. Everybody stand. I'm totally going off, off here. <clears throat> this is probably a product of spending time in the Psalms. A lot of time in the Psalms. And so we're all standing together. No, no, we'll go, then we'll get back to the message. I'll have you sit down. There's a lot of Psalms. Psalm 100 verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Shout to the Lord for he is good and his mercy endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Andrew, open up the doors. Andrew, open up the doors. The neighbors have to hear it. Because they got to be welcome into the shouting as well. What are they shouting about over there across the street? Andrew, open up the outside doors. Somebody help Andrew. <laughs> yeah, they both can be opened up back there. Hey, Michael, <laughs> you can yell out there too, okay? Here we go. This is one way that we can show our righteousness by obeying this command. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Praise God! Yes! Hallelujah! Thank you, God! We're so thankful! We give you the praise! You're worthy! We sing to you! We praise you! You're the one! Praise God! Praise the Lord! For those who have slept in, you're missing out! All right, let's shut it down, guys. You may be seated. Thank you, fellas.
wait for the guys to get back in and the gals. Thanks, Ty. Thanks, Andrew. Now, in the second half of verse 25 and 26, why did God do it this way? It was to show his righteous character. It was so he could show out, so he could put himself on display that he is righteous. That he would deal with sin before Christ, and now that Christ has come, if any of the readers would begin to question his character or his righteousness, that he would not deal with the sins of the past before Jesus came and sufficiently now, Paul answers that by saying God was using restraint. And he was patiently delaying the full punishment of sins under the old covenant while preparing for Christ to come. Now the question may be, how can someone be righteous in the Old Testament? It's a great question. In other words, how can someone be saved in the Old Testament? How could that happen? It's the same as today. It's by faith. We're going to get into this a little bit more in the next few weeks. So I don't want to steal any Jamie and Phil's thunder. But it's the same way as it is now. It's by trusting. Those in the Old Testament were declared righteous because they believed God would do what he said he would do. I'm sorry, Jamie. I'll, just give, I'll touch off a little bit for you next week. Abraham. He looked up at the stars and believed that God would give him a family more numerous than the stars. That even while his wife Sarah was barren and in her old age he slept with her and they had a son he traveled up a mountain with his son Isaac and he built an altar believing God that he'd provide someone in his son's place and God did do that the people bought their animals to the priest time and time and time again and if they had faith it would demonstrate that they believed that they would receive atonement for their sins they look forward to Christ, even if they didn't fully understand it, and we look back to Christ, to the cross. So God is just in providing of atonement for our sins before the cross, and he is justifier of those who have faith at the cross. And if he didn't act, there would be no hope for any of us. Aren't you glad for the cross? <laughs> Where not only is justice... but also his love finds its focus. Picture with me two lovebirds named Jerry and Jasmine walking hand in hand along our beloved Rogers Park Beach. Having just graduated from their master's program at Loyola University, the wet sand is squishing between their toes while the fresh lakefront breeze blows through Jasmine's hair. As the sun begins to set, this is a Hallmark kind of moment. <laughs> Jerry, though, begins to slow down and then comes to a complete stop. Now grabbing both of Jasmine's hands, he looks her in her blue eyes and says, Jasmine, there is no one else on earth like you. I love you. What's he getting at? Well, there could be a lot of things, right? One, he could have been skipping mass lately. 
wasn't up on his Bible reading. He's seeking to catch Jasmine in a vulnerable moment in order to take her to bed. Or two, Jerry has been a good Jesuit and is getting ready to propose. Jasmine, you are so wonderful. Your smile causes me to freeze from 100 yards away. Your hair is finer than the finest of fabrics. And speaking of fine, I just can't bear to think of life without you. Will you marry me? Or could he possibly mean, Jasmine, you are the ugliest woman I've ever met. Your bad breath would knock over the offensive line of the Chicago Bears. Your hair is full of so much grease that it could grease all the machinery of two Ford manufacturing plants. <laughs> you could just keep going with these. I'll do one more. And your nose makes a rhinoceros's look adoring. <laughs> but I love you. Is that what he means? Of course he doesn't mean that. In human relationships, to say I love you is due to someone else's loveliness to us. But when God says I love you, what does he mean? Does he mean that you're so lovely in his eyes that he can't imagine an eternity without you? That he's getting such a great deal by setting his affections on you. Because your personality is always so life-giving. Your motives are always so pure and you are just so charming all the time. Is that the God of the Bible? Is that what John means in the most famous verse of all of Scripture in John 3.16, for God so loved the world? That we were so irresistible that he couldn't help but be drawn to our spectacularness. We've talked about this before. No. His love for us is not because our big world of 7 billion people is so full of good and good people. But rather that this big world of 7 billion people is full of bad and bad people. He loves us because he's that kind of God. He's that kind of father. It is why that he can be the source and object of his propitiation. Why he can display wrath and why he can take it upon himself. No other religion or worldview besides true Christianity, whether it's Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, or a lot of religions that have a Bible associated with them, relativism, progressivism, secularism, and every other ism, none of those have the story of the gospel. Every other concept of salvation is that it has to be earned. And then maybe, just maybe, a divine will give you something in return. Maybe. But there is no assurance. 
You can only hope. And you only can pray five times a day, three times a day, seven times a day. And you only can worry and maybe compare and serve the poor more or make more money to give the missionaries or work harder and try to be better than, not with him. Hear this fresh again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. We don't do the giving. He does it. That whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He did the work. We simply believe it. And we receive it. And we sing as we get ready to close. Long my imprisoned spirit lay, fast bound in sin and nature's night. We were dead. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. There was the gospel. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? Is that the song of your heart this morning? With all of this, what God does and what we don't do, verse 27, to help set up Jamie again for next week, then what would ever become of us boasting in ourselves? Paul says it is excluded. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It's a great reminder and hope of the gospel here in the third chapter of Romans. As we get ready to even unpack it even further and further and deeper and deeper and wider and wider. Father, we want to obey you and we want our hearts to line up after yours. Is that we would seek to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. And so, Father, would you help us as your people to do that. To grow deeper and wider that our love for you would grow and our love for one another would grow. That, Father, that we view our relationships through the cross and all what you've done for us so there's nothing that anybody that could do to us that couldn't be forgiven or reconciled or made right. Father, just feel that some people got to be delivered from bitterness or a false story or not having all the details and They've showed anger or have this attitude towards others or some situation, Father. I think, feel like there's something going on there with that, Father. And it can happen to all of us in our lives. Father, I pray for deliverance in Jesus' name that the truth would burst forward and that would respond according to the cross. Father, thank you for reminding us of our redemption this morning. We praise you. May we delight in our justification and our redemption and your propitiation. The gift that you've given us in your son, the free gift, may we hold it out to others so they can receive it as well. Guide and direct our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.